For years, the Securities and Exchange Commission has been accused of having a home court advantage, using in-house judges to decide cases in administrative proceedings rather than federal judges and jury trials. A question that has been around for years is whether the appointment of these administrative judges violates the Constitution's Appointments Clause. That question may be answered by the Supreme Court because the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia and the Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit have come to different conclusions on that important issue. Joining us is Peter Henning, a professor at Wayne State University Law School and a former SEC attorney. Peter, let's start with the long-held belief by securities defense attorneys that the SEC has the advantage bringing enforcement actions before its own judges. Well, the complaint by the securities defense bar has been that in these administrative proceedings, they don't have the right to depose witnesses, send subpoenas out for documents. Essentially, what they get is what the SEC gathered in its investigation. Now, the SEC tinkered with its rules a little bit last year and allows up to three witnesses to be subpoenaed. But still, you don't get the broad discovery rights that you would get in a federal district court case. And, of course, it is an SEC hire uh, the judge who's hired by the agency who's going to make that decision then the case gets appealed to the five full commissioners who authorize the action so there have been claims that this gives the sec just too much of a home court advantage when it goes with uh, its own administrative proceeding rather than going into federal court well but the sec doesn't always win these cases before the administrative law judges does it no, it doesn't. Uh, in fact, there have been a couple of cases where they haven't fared quite as well. Um, there was an insider trading case, a type of case that would never have been brought in an administrative proceeding before the Dodd-Frank Act in 2010, uh, a case against a defendant by the name of Charles Hill. The SEC's ALJ, administrative law judge, sided completely with Mr. Hill and said there is not enough evidence here to show any insider trading, any tipping of inside information, and so dismissed the charge, and the SEC let it pass. Um, and the SEC wins most of its cases, whether it goes into an administrative proceeding or federal district court, and so you wonder how much the perception is actually the reality, but of course, you know, once the perception takes hold, then it becomes a matter of rote recitation. The SEC gets a home court advantage when it goes with an administrative proceeding. Peter, explain the constitutional issue about these administrative judges. Well, the, the issue comes down to a uh, fairly obscure provision of the Constitution called the Appointments Clause that um, you know, the president has to select certain uh, positions, cabinet officers, things like that, which then go through the Senate. But also, if uh, someone falls in the category of what's called an inferior officer, that has to be appointed by the president, even though the Senate doesn't get review of it, has to be appointed by the president or someone who the president appoints. And the rationale for that is you need political accountability. And, of course, the president is politically accountable. He's elected. He or she's elected every four years. So you want there to be some accountability. You don't want Congress creating positions that could be immune to presidential oversight. Well, the question is, are these uh, administrative law judges at the SEC and perhaps other agencies, are they administrative officers? Because these SEC judges 
were simply hired like anyone else, like I was. Just you go through the normal personnel office, they decide to hire you, and you get your job. Um, should the president or the SEC commissioners have appointed these judges? A fairly technical point, but also a very important one, because if the officer, if the judge is not appointed properly, then in fact the judge doesn't have any authority to participate in a case. I was going to say, is it more form over substance? Because the SEC's internal personnel office could choose the judges, and then they could be officially appointed by the SEC commissioners who review it. Sure. And in fact, that's a pretty easy solution. If the Supreme Court were to rule that these are inferior offices, all the SEC commissioners have to do is then vote to say, all right, well, we will appoint, I believe there are six of them, we will appoint you all officially. And that solves the problem for current cases. The, the real rub here is going to be past cases. Um, if, for example, there's an order that someone is barred from being an investment advisor for a period of years or perhaps even a permanent order, uh, that case could have to be reopened and relitigated. Um, and, of course, there are probably hundreds, maybe thousands of those cases still floating around. What if these judges weren't appointed properly, what does that do to all those past cases? Current cases are going to be easy to deal with, but it's the past cases that I think are the concern. What do you do with those? Peter, how likely are we to get a resolution on this from the Supreme Court anytime soon? I think the Supreme Court, they have to uh, grant cert in the case out of the D.C. Circuit. Uh, that's the one that's currently before them, simply because you have uh, the Tenth Circuit decision saying, no, these judges were not appointed properly. And after that decision, then the SEC issued an order staying all of its administrative proceedings if it came out of one of the states in the Tenth Circuit, which is headquartered in uh, Denver, Colorado. So cases from there can't go forward. Cases in the rest of the country can. That's the kind of circuit split that the Supreme Court just has to step in and resolve. So I would expect that they will grant cert um, in the D.C. Circuit case. Uh, Raymond Lucia and Companies is the case name. And I, I bet they will grant it and then can decide it by the end of the upcoming term, so by next June, and finally get some clarity on this. I guess the real issue is if they rule against the SEC, what does that do to other agencies? Peter, in about 45 seconds, which side do you, of the issue do you think is correct? I wish I could give an answer on that one. I'm not going to pretend to be a constitutional scholar. Um, this is one of those obscure little points in the Constitution where you have case law that seems to indicate these are inferior officers, but the, the court can write pretty much whatever it wants, understanding that any decision involving the SEC is going to impact other federal agencies. And so it has to look down the road and say, how much of an impact do we want to have? But I'm not very good at making predictions. Oh, I think you just did. And sorry for putting you on the spot all the time. That's Peter Henning, professor at Wayne State University Law School. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. Thanks to our producer, David Sutcherman, and our technical director, Mark Sinistalchi. 